Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and the JZO Modcast Podcast Network. I'm your host, Don Smith. It's a daytime TV episode. We talk with uh, Sean Kanan from General Hospital, Young and the Restless, The Bold and the Beautiful, and so much more. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. All right, hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host Don Smith. It is. Uh, we are still. We are still locked down from COVID nineteen, and I do have to uh, do the the uh, really quick uh, public service announcement. Uh, do not inject yourself with uh, disinfectant. It's not going to work. I mean. Technically, I guess you won't have to worry about COVID-19 anymore, but you'll have other problems with that. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I can't believe my ears when I'm listening to press conferences, but that's okay. Whether Whoever you support, uh, don't inject yourself with disinfectant. Uh, we already have my guest on the line here, uh, uh, Sean Kanan. Don, thanks so much for having me on. How are you? Oh, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing. How about yourself? You're uh, you're out in California. I'm in California. I'm actually uh, I'm in Palm Springs right now, and uh, you know my wife and I are doing well. Uh, fortunately, we're healthy. We're safe. Um, you know, I just I feel terrible for all the people that are really struggling, that are sick, that have lost people. Um, oh, yeah. All things considered, we're 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 doing we're doing well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How's the how's the quarantine out in Palm Springs? That sounds like it would be a little better, a little better than the quarantine in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, no, people are taking it very seriously. Um, you know, when we do go out to the market or you know the odd errand that you know has to has to take place, we're wearing gloves, we're wearing a mask. You know, I think people are are, are treating it you know with the with the gravity that it deserves. But everybody is really ready for things to start opening up i mean uh oh yeah I think every, everybody's got some cabin fever going on yeah a little bit i i'm i uh a maintenance man electrician you know plumber all that kind of stuff for uh, local medical centers so i still have to be out there in it anyway but even just Thank you for doing that uh, hey you know it's uh has to be done but uh i so I'm not really stuck at home like a lot of people, and I'm fortunately still working. But, I mean, my weekends are uh, not what they used to be because, of course, with Wiley's Comedy Club, I would, my weekends were just jam-packed with stuff going on between that and filming and performing. And and now I, I sit at home uh, recording these things. So, <laughs> so uh, first first of all, uh, welcome to the show. It's good to have you. Now, you, uh, you're an actor. You're a comedian. You have, uh, I believe, I'm, I'm looking at your IMDb uh, biography. You have a couple of books, a cookbook out? Yeah, I have a cookbook out. I have another book called Success Factor X, which came out last year, did really well. It was named one of the 20 best inspirational books of the last two decades by Book Authority. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of a, I guess I'm kind of a poly, poly hyphenate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Master of that's a good, that's, Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You, you got to keep busy. You never know what's going to really take off. Like, uh, which I mean, you've kind of taken off a lot more than myself because I do a lot of different things too. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not a uh, recurring character on pretty much every soap opera that was ever made. <laughs> I've always kind of had the. Uh, you know, as an actor, it's it's difficult to be working all the time, even, even for some of the biggest actors. And I like to stay busy and I like to stay creative and productive. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy writing, I enjoy producing. And so sometimes, you know, you, you get all your irons in the fire and you, you take the one that gets red hot and that's the one you kind of go with for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how did, how did you get started? Where did you begin in your entertainment career? Well, when I was about 15 years old, I went to an open call for a modeling agency with a friend of mine because he wanted to be a model. And they wound up signing me and not signing him. And uh, <laughs> that's just and terrible. I, well, <laughs> Sorry, it was, good. <laughs> it was terrible, believe me. Um, but I, I wound up doing a, uh, a commercial that was a, a, a SAG commercial. And I didn't know it at the time, but that would 
proved to be really important in my life because at 15, I was now a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And that's one of the biggest hurdles that a lot of aspiring actors have to overcome is you can, you, you really only want to work for SAG projects, but the only way to get into a SAG project is to get hired by a, a project that's a SAG signatory. I don't know if that was confusing, but it, it's kind of uh, no, I get you, yeah. a bit of a 22. So when I came out to uh, Los Angeles, uh, I was going to UCLA. I was uh, uh, finishing my political science degree, but I came out there specifically to start my acting career. And I was already in the Screen Actors Guild, so that was a huge advantage for me. Did a little bit of TV, a couple of shows, and then I wound up going to an open call for the Karate Kid 3 and uh, wound up getting the part as Mike Barnes, the new heavy in the uh, uh, third installment of the Karate Kid franchise. And and that really, you know, kind of set me on my way. Right, right. Yeah, that would that would be a good boost. <laughs> that was a good boost. So uh, you also performed some stand-up comedy. Yeah, I love doing stand-up. Uh, uh, I've been doing it off and on since I was 15. Uh, I've gone over and entertained the troops uh, in Bosnia and Kosovo for USO. Uh, wow. Yeah, I just headlined at the uh, comedy store in the belly room uh, towards the end of January, right before things started to get crazy. Uh, right. you know, it's just something I love because, you know, every different thing you do, I think every different thing I do kind of satisfies kind of a different itch. I mean, you know, when you're doing a soap opera, you're not performing in front of a live audience. And while right. I love doing that, I really love the instant reciprocity you get when you're up on stage. You're, it's your words, not someone else's. And, you know, it's sink or swim. And, and for me, I, I love that. Um, you know, love doing films, love doing theater, all for different reasons. But, you know, stand-up, I think, is one of the few pure American art forms along with jazz. That makes sense, yeah, because I, I, I love doing theater. That's actually where I started into all this, is I started out doing live theater in my mid-20s because before that, never had an interest in it. And I tried getting into film. and Got the bug my, at one point in your 20s? Yeah, yeah, I, got, I did it, it one time and got the bug. It didn't have anything to do with a pretty girl that was in the play. No, actually, it didn't. Okay. Yeah, okay. Which, which is, I mean... The, yeah, there were, but that that wasn't the reason that I had fun doing it. That wasn't the reason that I that I started doing it. But uh, yeah, I got got bit by the acting bug. Tried film a little bit. Didn't do too well at first with that because just we're talking fifteen years ago when uh, independent filmmaking is not what it is now. You know, before before people could shoot a full length uh, motion picture on their uh, iPhone, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and I, I just got so busy that I couldn't, you know, theater takes such a, it's such a commitment and such a it time commitment. And yeah, I, I still had the itch to get up on stage. So that's when I started performing standup and it's, it's an entirely different animal. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> sure. Sure is, man. Uh, yeah. you're still doing it, right? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't much this year, but, uh, Last year, I, I hit it pretty hard last year just because, uh, well, being part of the club and everything, uh, being part owner of Wiley's. You're part uh, owner in the club Wiley's, which is in Cleveland? Uh, Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio, okay. We talked about that because I, I told you I was born in Cleveland. But right. uh, yeah, that'd be great, man. I'd love to I'd love to uh, come perform at your club sometime. That'd be really fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what, we'll see what we can do on that because it's definitely wow. – uh, I'm, I'm hoping everything comes out of this lockdown and gets right back up and going. <laughs> you know, yeah, from your lips to God's ears, I mean, that would be fantastic. Uh, I don't think any of us know what the new reality is going to be, but it, I think at a certain point, you know, we do have to take some chances here, some some educated chances and start reopening the economy. Right. Right. Yeah. Very carefully, very carefully. Cause right, of course. The last, yeah, the last thing we want to do is uh, have a, a surge of this crap all over again and have to go straight back in lockdown. That's because if, if everybody starts crazily running out of their house because they're finally free, uh, we're just going to say, nope, get back in. <laughs> yeah. And that's, wow. yeah. I mean, I don't even know how some of these bars are going to open up. I mean, I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, you're having a couple of drinks and you're trying to stay six feet apart from somebody at a bar. I I don't know. It's going to be, 
I don't know, but you know, maybe it's going to allow the emergence of some new ways of socializing, you know, like more stuff outside, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah, a- would have to be something a little bit different. Because, of course, you know, you know, comedy clubs, they pack them in. You know, when we have a sold out show, they're packed in like they're elbow to elbow. Oh, yeah. And that's something that can't happen. Yeah. Well, let's hope for the best there. Yeah, it's 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 going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky re-entering into normal society. So t- tell me a little bit about getting involved with the the, uh, the soap operas. How did that come about? How did that come about? Yeah, we're, uh, just, we're just switching gears again, you know. <laughs> so no, no, I'm just I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to remember uh, what what had happened was uh, I have a cousin through marriage, and he's actually from Ohio too, I believe, and his name is Steve Burton. He's become a huge star in daytime. Um, and Steve was on General Hospital, and he had a brother on the show, and the brother left the show, and they were hiring, they wanted to hire a new brother. And Steve and I look extremely similar. We used to, we used to get mixed up all the time. Hmm. Uh, and Steve said, "Listen, you know, I, I got this this buddy, and he's an actor, and he's, you know, let's bring him in." And so they brought me in to screen test with Steve. And I was the only guy there. And I was like, wow, if I don't get this job, it's because I really suck. And so uh, I screen tested and got the job. And in 1992, I joined the cast of General Hospital. And the thing about soap operas, you know, I stayed on that show for, for five years or so. Once you build a following as an actor in daytime, it makes it easier to go to other shows because they know that you've got people in, in the, uh, you know, the TV audience out in the world that like you. And they'll tend to watch you on another show. So uh, after I did that, I went and did a show for Aaron Spelling called Sunset Beach. Uh, then it went that went off the air. And then I, in about 2001, um, uh, I started uh, The Bold and the Beautiful and uh, played the role of Deacon Sharp, both on The Bold and the Beautiful and on The Young and the Restless. Uh, and I, I've done that off and on for probably 15 years, um, went back wow. to General Hospital for the 50th anniversary, which was about five years ago, I guess, four or five years ago. Uh, so, you know, I've bounced around daytime since 1992 uh, and interspersed with all of that. I've, I've managed to do 15 films and a couple other TV series. So, you know, I like to stay busy, uh, but daytime has been a, a fantastic home to me. Yeah, and, and a, a very, very long run in that, too. So. Very fortunate, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm looking through some of your trivia on your uh, your bio on here. Oh. So, <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to see what fun stuff we have. Uh, apparently, there were some injuries on Karate Kid Part 3. Yeah, I've I, I been working on Karate Kid 3, filming for about two weeks, and um, started having uh, some some pretty significant pain in my left thigh, which I thought was because I was doing a lot of martial arts at the time. And so I started taking aspirin pretty frequently. Turned out that I had done a stunt that had nothing to do with karate. I had perforated um, my omentum, which is a a sheath of tissue that wraps around your intestine. And I was bleeding internally. The blood was dripping down on my femoral artery. And that's what was causing the pain. We broke for... uh, Christmas and I went to Las Vegas uh, with a with a friend and I remember I was in the the Dunes Hotel and I had three one hundred dollar bills in my hand and I, I looked at my friend and I said I think I'm gonna pass out boom I hit the ground the EMTs came and they said we gotta take him to the ER immediately he's you know, his blood pressure is like non-existent he's he's probably bleeding internally so I got there and uh, they said look we have to operate on you and I figured that meant Monday and they meant in fifteen minutes. Wow. And that was Christmas Day, 19, 1989 or 90. Uh, I think it was 1989. And uh, my friend called my parents. They could only get one ticket because it, uh, uh, it was like close to midnight. So my, my dad flew out. They were wheeling me into surgery. And, uh, you know, I told the doctor, I said, listen, if you can, please don't cut my abdominal muscles. Because I knew if they did that, I was out of the movie because it would take weeks and weeks right. to heal. I said, if you can resect the muscles, that would be great. And so uh, they said, well, look, we're going to we're gonna do our best to try and save your life. And I said, save my life? I'm thinking to myself, you know, here I am. I'm 
21 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm doing a martial arts movie. And I have people telling me they don't know if they can save my life. And so I woke up in the uh, recovery room. I had staples all up and down my abdomen. My dad was there. And, uh, you know, he just, <clears throat> he just looked gray. I mean, I can't imagine what the previous mm. 18 hours was like for him. Um, you know, I, I at least had the benefit of anesthesia. And, uh, you know, the, the, the studio called and, uh, you know, there was no, uh, no flowers, no fruit basket. It was like, look, you got 10 days to get back to the set, but we're going to recast you. And I mean, I was devastated. Um, right. the, the next day I, I was able to get out of bed and you know, stand for a few minutes and go to the restroom and walk around my little hospital room. And the day after that, I was able to walk around the you know, the hallways of the hospital floor. And the day after that, I was able to walk around two or three times. The day after that, I was able to walk around 10 times and I had them discharge me against medical advice. And so I went back to, uh, to the film and they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to have a stuntman do all your karate and we'll, we'll pick you up in the close-ups, which is, it, that's a, a terrible solution. I mean, it's just a, uh-huh. You know, it just wasn't good for them. It wasn't good for me. I, you know, I've been studying martial arts for a long time, I, you know, and I knew that I was the guy to be doing this. So they put me together with a guy named Kyle Borland, who was a lineman for the Rams. I think this was the, the first time the Rams were in L.A. Or, and, you know, it was sort of the same deal. You know, the first the first day I could do a couple sit ups and the next day I could do like 20. And by the end of the week, I was doing hundreds and uh uh, I wound up doing every one of my own stunts in the Karate Kid 3, with the exception of one stunt where uh, me and some of the other bad guys are doing donuts in a parking lot. And then we cut across some train tracks as a speeding train barely misses us. And I, I said, look, you know, after almost dying, there's no way I'm getting taken out by a train. I said, you <laughs> yeah, that, that, that makes sense on that one. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of determination to get back into that. Are you still with me? Yeah, I'm with you, brother. Oh, okay, okay. Every, everything went really quiet for a second. It was kind of oh, eerie. No, I, Just wanted to make sure. Yes, <laughs> I was kind of reflecting for a second. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when you're when you're a young guy, you really think that you're immortal. And when you get a taste of the fact that you're not immortal, it really puts things in perspective and check for you. And it was truthfully, it was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. But I wouldn't change it for anything because you know it, it really kind of showed me at least at that moment who i was you know it, it showed me that when push comes to shove you know you know I'm a, I'm a fighter and i i was able to will myself back into that film and it, right. it was a good life lesson well yeah that that took a lot of determination because i mean you were stopped you <laughs> yeah yeah and you I mean, def- yeah you definitely uh, did everything you could to get back in there And uh, one of the things I found interesting about that is you're thinking about your career at the time. You're not really realizing your life is actually on the line with this. Yeah, I I really was pretty stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's not that. I mean, 21 years old, you're not thinking about your mortality. You're thinking about, I got to get back to this movie. This is my shot. That's exactly what I was. Yeah. I got that film from an open call. In other words, you know, there were 2000, they put a, they put a, they put a casting notice out, but said anyone, you're a martial artist, you're an actor, you're not an actor, come to the studio, line up and you got the same chance as everybody else. And it was a publicity wow. stunt. You, know, you don't, you don't find, you know, the chances of finding one of the leads in a multi-million dollar studio film are infinitesimal. And, you know, John Avelson, who had won the Academy Award for Rocky, who had directed the first two Karate Kids, was walking up the line with a, a camera crew, a little, he had a little video camera, and he would stop intermittently to talk to somebody that he thought was interesting. And I knew that I would have seconds to get this guy's attention, literally. Right. And, and I managed to get his attention and he stopped and we did a quick improv and he, he said, I buy it. And he brought me into the studio with probably about nine other guys. And it was a three ring circus. There were all sorts of media outlets, Entertainment Tonight, uh, Access Hollywood, all those things. And they were filming the the open casting call. And I looked over and they created a set. And there in the set was Ralph Macchio. And it was just surreal because a year before that, I was a paying customer in the theater watching Karate Kid 2. And now here I am auditioning with, you know, Daniel-san. 
And I, I did a scene with them and uh, they, they seemed to like it. And I felt real good about it. And I drove back to my little apartment above Sunset Boulevard, above the Whiskey, uh, Whiskey A Go-Go. And I found out a couple uh, days later they hired somebody else and I was devastated, just crushed beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And uh, about five days later, I got a call from them in the producer's office. They had fired, I didn't know this at the time, but they had fired the kid they hired. And they brought me back in and I, I, I was driving down Sunset Boulevard to Burbank, which is where the studio is. And you know, I remember I looked up at the Hollywood sign and, and, you know, as an actor, we always say that, you know, sometimes the Hollywood sign winks at you and most of the time it smirks at you. And, <laughs> and I, I, I went to the studio, went to the producer's office and there was Robert Mark Kamen who had written all the Karate Kid films. He, he's also written all the films with Liam Neeson, the Taken films, and many, many other blockbusters, huge writer. And he's also a martial artist. And he put me through the paces for a couple minutes, uh, watching me do some uh, some karate, and uh, went into a small room and talked with John Avelson and the uh, the other producer, Shell Schrager, and, and they said, uh, you're hired. And they sent me right to wardrobe, and like I, I got put through the works immediately and that's really odd it doesn't usually happen that way you know what i mean and mm-hmm. like the next day i'm on the set learning the choreography for the fight scenes and i mean it went from surreal to beyond surreal you know and uh the rest for me was you know what what changed my life you know in a positive way that i never could have imagined right from an open open casting call that sounds yeah. kind of like an america's got talent audition absolutely yeah. <laughs> so that that's that's interesting because yeah i don't i don't think there are a lot of the uh big movies that would do anything like that yeah i mean it's not it's not real normal i mean i, I can't really remember a big open casting call for any film since then uh that, that i've heard of i certainly have never been to another one and um you know the chances that you're going to find a guy that not only can do the martial arts but is able to act who's not a professional actor it's you know through an open call it just doesn't happen that way usually right you know, lots of actors that can do martial arts i mean you but you know you, you know you know their agents send them to the casting directors they go through you know the process of meeting the casting directors and the producers and blah 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 but you know that's that's how it happened yeah that's 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 very cool very fortunate too and then and then to be the to be called in after they hired somebody else and had to get rid of them that that was good too <laughs> Good for me. Not yeah, a so lot, lot, of, lot of fortune, a lot of fortune. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Studio City, which is a uh, series that you have on, uh, you said it's on Amazon Prime? Prime, yeah. Studio City is uh, a, a short-form digital series. Uh, the first season is six episodes. The episodes are between 10 and 15 minutes. Uh, and this has been like my baby for years. I've been trying to get this project off the ground for years one of those things that you know i'd throw in my desk i'd bring out i'd work on it um you know i'd get a little traction then nothing would happen and through the through the right series of events uh i was able to get it made and uh, uh it's the story about my character sam stevens who's an aging soap star it's a it's a soap within the show he works on the number two soap opera in the country called hearts on fire he's in the middle of contract negotiations that are not going well and the show brings uh, a younger version of sam on to kind of let him know that he's 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 not as indispensable as he thinks and he's mm-hmm. a guy that always thought he should have had a, a bigger career he, in his mind he should have been an action star and the producer tells him do i have to say it you're just too damn old and uh you know his wanting more winds up coming in the form of a person that he never knew existed. Um, the show's got some really terrific actors that I know through my days in daytime. It's got Tristan Rogers, uh, Patrika Darbo, three-time Emmy Award winner Sarah Joy Brown, and Carolyn Hennessy. And the show has been getting an absolutely incredible response critically and from fans. We've been nominated for, I think, close to 20, 20 awards. Uh, pre-nominated nice. for seven daytime Emmys and nominated for 12 independent series awards. And, you know, we, we tackle a lot of really pertinent social issues. It's one of the things I've always liked about daytime because 
you have to create so much product. You know, we're effectively creating one show for every weekday. You know, to come up with story, you're always looking for inspiration. And a lot of times the, the soap operas will take things that are big issues ripped from the headlines. Uh, and so we did the same thing. We deal with uh, Me Too, ageism, suicide. Uh, we have an LGBTQ storyline. And there's really something for everyone. Um, you know, a lot of these digital series tend to have kind of a, a look to them that looks like they're shot on video and, you know, not, you know, sometimes not great lighting, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, one of my partners in this project is a film director whose name is Timothy Woodward Jr. Tim's done 15 films and, uh, you know, we, we wound up using, uh, Tim's cinematic dp pablo diaz so that the the show really looks like a film it's got a really beautiful rich look to it um and you know, i think now people are kind of like soundbite generations what i call them i mean they want to watch what they want to watch when they want to watch on the device right. they watch on you know like gone are the days that you're all meeting in the living room at 7 p.m to watch your favorite show once a week and so be, because the show right now is in a digital format, short form, it's really digestible. I mean, you can literally watch the entire first series in about 90 minutes. Well, yeah, uh, that's a great binge watch right there. Yeah, <laughs> you put on your phone on the subway or on your iPad during the lunch hour. Um, and now, you know, we're discussing, you know, whether we take it to a, a larger format, a 30 minute format. Um, obviously, the coronavirus kind of, you know, it didn't right. come at the most opportune time. But I, I, I always say that, you know, look, if this is the biggest problem I have uh, is trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my my new show compared to, you know, so many people struggling, losing their jobs, losing family members. You know, I have no problems. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a minor inconvenience or rather than rather than a the life changing problem yeah that's uh is it but as as far as the, the short form series like that uh, on amazon prime they're they're a lot of fun when you get one that's like six seven episodes and they're real they're great binge watches i was in one uh, not too long ago called uh, boggy creek the bigfoot series i got to be part of one of those and uh, that's that, cool they're 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 fun they're fun to do these just little short snippet episodes and uh yeah you know the challenge the challenge is you want to you want to give the audience really good story, and you want to connect them with the characters. But the challenge is the confines of doing it within, you know, a truncated amount of screen time. And right. I think that's one of the things that we we did really effectively. Um, we we created multi-dimensional characters that the audience is able to connect with right away that are involved in, uh, you know, socially relevant stories but they're not being rammed down your throat in a heavy handed way. And, you know, the, the, the stories are being told, you know, so we say sometimes we want to make you laugh and sometimes we want to make you cry. So I, I, do, well, I do hope that everyone will give it a chance and watch it. It's on Amazon prime. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to check it out uh, this weekend. Cause I don't have a lot going on. So I'm definitely, I'm going to have to binge watch all those. I'm in your schedule, right, Don? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's. My schedule's pretty open uh, weekends right. these days, so, <laughs> so I have to check that out. I'm gonna have to take a uh, take a short break, uh, refill my coffee cup, and uh, probably play a little bit of music for the radio. And uh, we will be back here in uh, just a few minutes to continue on with Sean Kanan.
Talking to this one woman for a little while, and like uh, this is just does not code for anything. I don't do good, obviously. You've seen me up here, right? You hear me talk, like you know. <laughs> She's like, I'm still friends with 85% of my ex-boyfriends, and all I could think is 85% requires a divisor of at least 20. That. That is as far as you can break that fraction down right there. It's like 17 over 20, 85%. What if she meant like 34 out of 40 or 153 boyfriends out of 180? I don't care how you break it down. She's had way too many dudes in her denominator. That's Make a move and the bunny gets it. All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are uh, sitting in uh, sitting at home in quarantine and, and the COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, we have on Skype, joined via Skype by uh, Sean Kanan, uh, actor, comedian, author, cookbook, writer, 
uh, all kinds of stuff. Good to be back with you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we this is the time on the show when we discuss some really dumb news stories. So are you are you ready to pick apart some uh, some fantastically stupid news stories? We'll give it a shot. All right, perfect. And we're going to start out. I'm going to start out close to home. We're going to start with Columbus, Ohio. Uh, head east on I head east on I seventy from Columbus, Ohio, and ninety five miles later, right in the middle of nowhere, you'll hit Middleborn. It's a small town where the typical news is about the sheriff's departments uh, getting a new canine officer or a surprise pizza party for first responders. But Wednesday before Easter. The news took a darker turn. On the afternoon of April 8th, someone dressed as the Easter Bunny visited residents of Middleborn for photos before heading to an overpass over I-70 to wave at passing vehicles. Most residents just posted on their Facebook accounts, happy for some lighthearted news in the world, but the sight of the Easter Bunny walking around and waving must have enraged one 49-year-old man. He approached the Easter Bunny on the overpass, waving a gun and threatening the rabbit. <laughs> wow. Wonderful. <laughs> Welcome oh, to Ohio, uh, Easter Bunny. <laughs> apparently, that guy doesn't believe in the Easter Bunny. Okay, I, <laughs> was he? Was the guy arrested, or what happened to him? Uh, yeah. Let, well, let's let's read on because sometimes sometimes you need to read a little bit more. Uh, yes, he was arrested. Uh, one man. Uh, let, let's see. Uh, the bunny must have defused the situation because by the time deputies arrived, the armed man had left the scene. Uh, nearby, however, they discovered a truck with a, a DIY camouflage paint job and uh, two men sitting inside passing a weekday afternoon sharing a 12-pack of beer. Uh, one man cooperated fully with the sheriff, uh, not the other guy, though. Uh, he refused to exit the vehicle until a canine officer arrived at the scene. Officers found the handgun in the trunk along with the beer. Uh, reports say in the truck, not the trunk. Uh, reports say the suspect was slurring his words and unable to walk a straight line. He also had a fever and symptoms of uh, a coronavirus. So his buddy really got more from their afternoon hangout than he had bargained for. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, listen, uh, I mean, it could have gone the other way. He could have wound up getting knocked out by the Easter Bunny. That's I mean, that true. That's true. That really? happened in Florida, I think. I think Lord. in Florida there was a video going around of an Easter bunny uh, just laying into somebody. So I guess the Easter bunny's getting a little getting a little violent nowadays. Good Lord! Well, I you know it's not every day that a guy pulls a gun on an Easter bunny. I you know I, I'm I'm kind of at a loss on that one. That just sounds like some some bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit. <laughs> people say people say cra we're crazy out here in California, huh? Oh no! Uh, Ohio, Florida, that we uh, we got crazy. We definitely can do crazy here too. That's anytime, especially when the Easter Bunny's involved. There's going to be something weird happening. Uh, this guy getting out of jail just about the time it's Christmas. See what he does with Santa Claus. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's why I'm I'm worried about having my beard now because you know, <laughs> I in the right light I can look a little bit like Santa Claus, and I don't know what's going to happen. Still. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Oh, here, here's an attempt at a Guinness World Record. These are always dumb. Uh, a London man was in the midst of an attempt Friday to applaud for 24 consecutive hours to raise money for healthcare workers. So it was for a good, a good cause to uh, clap for 24 hours. Uh, Jack Pegum said his fundraiser, which began Thursday at 8 p.m., was inspired by the Clap for Our Carers initiative, which encouraged Britons to uh, to uh, weekly applaud healthcare workers dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Pegum is taking the idea one step further by attempting to clap, clap for 24 consecutive hours. That would get tiresome. Yeah, here's what we got to do. We got to get that guy to come to your comedy club when I perform there. That's what yes. we want to do. Just <laughs> let him clap as much as he wants. Give him a couple drinks. Let him go. It'll be great. Well, if he's clapping the whole time, we'll have to give him a long straw. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, there's going to be a lot of spilling to clean up. So, yeah. <laughs> well, at least he's raising money for 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 something good. That's always good. God, it's it's good to report on positive news stories like that for a change. You know, I think we could all use a few, right? That's yeah. Right now, definitely, definitely. Okay, let's see. Oh wow, here's uh. This is here we are in Georgia. Uh, police in Georgia said an officer rescued a snake that was spotted slithering out from under the hood of a vehicle at a bank's drive-through window. 
the Bibb County Sheriff's Office said Officer Re- Rebecca uh, Galeazzo of the, uh, that's very Italian for Georgia, of the yep. Animal Enforcement Unit uh, responded to the bank in Macon after a caller reported a snake slithering out from under the hood of a car. So, Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Not a big fan uh, of the yeah, yeah, you don't want crawling one crawling out of your car while you're while you're in the in the uh, ATM line. No. No, she was able to locate the reptile in the uh, car door jam, so it, it didn't just come out of the hood. It went tried to go they, into the door. So did they say what kind of what kind of uh, snake it was? Uh, it was identified as a non venomous eastern rat snake, and yeah, they released it back into the wild. So yeah, it wasn't any huge. Any huge problem? I think my I think my grandfather used to have one of those as a pet. Really? Okay. Yeah, but yeah. No, my my stepdaughter just got a, a a snake, a boa, and it just like it just freaks me out. She you know she feeds the thing <laughs> little rats, and I'm like, why? Why would you? I, you know, this isn't like a, something you're gonna cuddle with or take for a walk. You just sort of stare at it. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Right. But, oh my my grandfather was uh, he was. He was a very special individual. He he, uh, when it came to animals, he just had a love for all animals. He had uh, some farmland outside of town, and we would go out there with him. And I'm I'm not kidding. This snake would just as soon as he got there, the same snake every time would come up to him. Yeah. And he could pick it up. He could handle it. And it was it wasn't like a pet that he kept in a cage. It was out at his land. And I'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I yesterday I was actually blowing through the internet looking at stuff, just surfing because I've got time like that. And I was reading about snakes, and they they actually can hear human voices, and so it's theorized that they can actually recognize when you talk to them. So it's possible it it, it recognized his voice, and that's why it came. Yeah, yeah, that had to have been it. But it was, uh, I always found that extremely interesting that he was able to, to do that. I thought that's nothing I'd be able to ever do. <laughs> People can call a snake and have it come to him. That's right. Right, yeah, that's takes a rare person to be able to do that. I can't even get my dog to sit. <laughs> See, I'm trying to pull these news stories up as we're going. I, I need to start getting to where I pick them out ahead of time, but I've just been I've just been lazy, honestly. Yeah, I think there's a general malaise that's just settled settled across the country with everybody. It's like, well, I'm gonna be doing the exact same thing tomorrow, so why do it today? And <laughs> yep, there you go. My wife and I were all excited. We thought they they opened up the tennis courts. Uh, uh, where we live and we were we haven't played tennis in years and I said we're gonna go play tennis we got to go do something and then we just got an email that said now nah, they're they're closing them again so looks like it's uh, gonna be another day full of uh, uh, criminal minds reruns um, you know good <laughs> good hour or two playing games on my iPad in between eating see I, I would think tennis you would still be able to maintain your six foot social distancing. Absolutely. That's, that's true. That's well, there's no social distancing with me and my wife. So, and, and there's no one else out there. So I figured we'd just go out there and play for a while by ourselves, but we can't even do that. So, you know, that's, that's a shame that that's extreme. That's extreme right there. I think so. I mean, you know, here's the other thing. And you know, this is the debate that's obviously going on, you know, not every geographical location in the country or the world for that matter is the same you know you've got you know population dense cities that are not the same as people that are living you know a mile apart from each other in wyoming right and you know i think things need to be judged with a little more specificity to you know where exactly you know they are what the population is Blah blah blah, but uh, you right because def- definitely New York City, you can you can see there being a lot more issues as as there are. There are definitely a lot more cases there, but I mean, I live in Englewood, Ohio. Oh yeah, <laughs> not that you know, uh, it's just a little ways north of Dayton. How far is that from uh, Andusky, from Cedar Point? Uh, we're probably about four hours south. Four hours, okay. That was that was about, like our four, big, four four that was and a half. Big was in uh, in elementary school. We got to go to Cedar Point and ride the Gemini. Very exciting. So oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, I've been there once years and years ago. I just and then you guys got the other one. You got K 
Kings Island, right? Kings Island, yeah. That that one's right by us. So. Okay, that's a fun one. I remember that. I like that one. Yeah, I I haven't been to that one probably since I was in my early twenties. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's still there though. Still going strong. All right. What what else we got here? Uh, Cabin fever is taking on a new meeting across the world. Uh, I've watched I've watched my friends go from tracking days in quarantine on Instagram by posting their uh, hashtag OOTD. I don't know what that means, but anyway, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's a new one to me. I guess I'm not uh, I guess I'm not up on the Instagram right now. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> what was pitched as a uh, two week shutdown to flatten the curve of new cases will last uh, months longer. Some have taken to protesting outside their state capitals, demanding to go back to work. Meanwhile, the virus is still crippling the healthcare system with more frontline workers falling ill every day. Uh, we could all use some levity, especially when we're spending hours in virtual spaces, taking part in meetings that could have really truly been an email. Uh, the Peace and Peas Farm in North Carolina knows an opportunity when they see one. Their eight-year-old miniature donkey, uh, Mambo, loves to be the center of attention. For a fee, Mambo will crash your Zoom call. Uh, it's an I ideal, it's a, it's an ideal solution. Did you? I did, yeah. I did. That gives whole new meaning to a donkey show. Yes, I did right. see that. <laughs> right, yeah. Mambo uh, loves to be the center of attention for a fee. It will crash your Zoom call. It's an ideal solution to stop dreading a midweek meeting uh, when you can keep track of the day. When you can't keep track of the days, the farm told Associated Press they've already been had interested. Wow. Interest from companies and teachers wanting to liven up homeschooling Zoom calls. I can't, I can't, either I can't talk or I can't read right now. Well, listen, listen, I will undercut the farm. Uh, I'm happy to put my dog on camera for anyone willing to pay the price. I'll do it for exactly half of what Mambo charges. Just let me know. I'll throw the camera on my little pug and uh, you can pay, pay me the money. I think it's a win-win there for everybody. Go. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that sound that sounds like a plan right there. I said. And also also you said there was a boa. So I mean you get Yeah. A two, you get a boa, you get a, boa you get a, a pug. Yeah. Got a whole menagerie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen have you seen the the Tiger King? I I have. I <laughs> <laughs> You're like hesitant to get into it. You're like yeah, yeah, I, I've seen that train wreck. That's a dumpster fire. That was fun, though, huh? I, I wasn't going to watch it because there was so much about it. And it's like, this. all this sounds like is a, a longer episode of Springer. and uh, But so many people talked about it. It's like, eventually, I'm going to have to watch this. Oh my God, I so just I just, it. I finally broke down and watched it. And uh, yeah, it was different. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that for me must-see TV. I mean, just, you know, you want to feel really good about your life, just just watch one or two episodes of that, and you're going to feel really good about wherever you are in the world, that there are those kind of people running around, you'll feel okay about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You, you're you not there, you've made it. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we've all gotten a little more comfortable these days, whether it's snacking or vegging out more than uh, more or wearing pajamas, uh, just to change into sleep pajamas later in the day. Uh, some of us have gotten even more comfortable with, uh, what they, uh, with what they wear, uh, in Taney town, Taney town, Maryland. One local is taking his comfort to a, to a nude level, uh, the police department's Facebook page posted uh, asking citizens to please remember to put pants on before leaving the house to check your mailbox. Oh, you know who you know who you are. This is your final warning. <laughs> 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 then again, this sounds pretty pointed, uh, but residents joked at it, commenting things like, uh, "One time, one time, why y'all got to be like that?" And I tell my husband, "So sorry you had to see that." Another resident commented saying she thinks she knows. The birth, birthday suit fan uh, that the Facebook post was referring, uh, my son ran out in his boxers earlier to grab a package off the steps on her front porch and came running back in, said the neighbor saw him, she said. So, yeah, the police have to warn people to make sure they wear their pants. Wear those <laughs> Right. Yeah. But just to, to check the mailbox, I think if you're quick to just to check the mailbox, you're fine. But, you know, because it depends on where your mailbox is. Yeah, I, I, I still go with wearing the pants. That's just me. But, uh. Well, at least some shorts, you know. At least some shorts, exactly. Right. 
Yeah, I'm, I don't I don't I don't really do the gloves in the mask when I'm just running out to throw the trash out. I, maybe I should. I don't know. There's just no one else around. So I figure I can I can do that. But other yeah, than I, that, I, you think, know, I think work. you're fine without the gloves and the and the mask. Just put the pants on, I guess. Is Well, Don, I feel like we're I feel like we're starting to degenerate a little bit. Into, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I think, no I, idea what you mean. I, I think I think I think I, I subscribe to that. Let's always leave them wanting more. And so that I think what I'm gonna plan. do is I'm gonna say thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it and I appreciate well, can, can I give you can I give you just a couple minutes to throw out any social media you wanna have yeah. and, no, uh, and, no, and, and and plug uh, Studio uh, City one more time if you'd like. Sure. Studio City is on Amazon Prime. Uh, you can follow me at, at Sean Kanan on Twitter or at Sean Cannon on Instagram, and I do my best to respond to everybody. Please check out the show. Give it a chance. I know you'll like it, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody uh, on the other side of this. All right. Well, thanks for your time. It's been great talking to you. Hey, John, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check Studio City out, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get together again sometime. All right, pal. You take care of yourself. Take All care. right. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks a lot. And thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Uh, tune in next week or next time. We'll have some. We'll have some other. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from seven to nine p.m. on WWSU one hundred six point nine FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU one hundred six nine org, and we go Facebook live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email the Life one hundred six nine at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. He approached the Easter Bunny on the overpass, waving a gun and threatening the rabbit.